are the brave ones this morning that braved all this uh, nasty cold weather out here to just come into God's house. Let's commune together as you stand to your feet. We're going to start out with a song that's been around a long time, so I know you know it. You just get these vocal cords warmed up this morning.
make some noise with your hands, you just clap loud and sing praises to our God because he's great. Nobody compares to him this morning. We're still gonna praise him, cause he's worth it. And I count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the way. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. So yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh yes, I will. 
Amen. Are y'all awake out there this morning? Are you thawed out? Isn't God worthy of praise? And you know, this song talks about in the valleys and in the waiting, I choose to praise. You know, it's so easy that we can praise him when things are good and there's money in the bank account, the job's going great. But as soon as something rattles our cage, sometimes we can forget that there's power in praise in whatever situation that we're in, amen? We're going to raise a hallelujah in this place because he's worthy of it no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the world tells us, no matter if they say there's going to be a recession, if they say there's going to be prospers, he's always worthy of the same praise. And I want to encourage you today as we lift him up, the praise that you create is the throne that you create for him in this place to sit in our lives. So what kind of throne are we going to raise for him to be in the presence of his people this morning? Let's raise a hallelujah. Yes, 
together for the freedom that we have to come into this building in Shelby County with brothers and sisters and just glorify you God 
Lord, would you just fill this place with your presence today, God, as your word goes forth today. May it find hearts that need you. Penetrate through the callousness, Lord, that this world can sometimes place on it, God. Would you just penetrate through that today? Allow us to see with your eyes. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you just give one more hallelujah as you're being seated? So I've been doing teaching the last couple weeks, right? 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 There you go. Thank you. Let's go. So here, I need a new, little bit more teaching today, okay? Everybody raise your right hand. That's the one on this side, okay? This one, okay? This one. All right? All right, now raise your left hand. Now here, on the count of three, ready? We're going to put our hands together. Ready? One, two, three. That's called a clap. And see, when there's music going, you can do that in rhythm, and it's a lot of fun. And God really loves that, because we want to be excited about what we're doing. Because I, I know what happens at a ball game. When something's going good, we clap, we clap, we clap, and then we yell, let's go. And we never watch a ball game like this, unless your team's really, really bad. And that's a different story for another day, okay? So, so here's the deal. I, there's nothing better than a great comeback. Nothing better than a great comeback. Some of you, and I'm one of the some of yous, okay? I officially, I'm old enough to apply for Social Security, so I think that means I'm officially senior citizen status. So I am one of you. If there was any left, it's white, so th- that's what it is, all right? But I, that means I'm old enough to remember some things, okay? I remember, I remember in 1980, in 1980, this guy that I'd never heard of was coaching a sport that I knew absolutely nothing about, nothing, because I know that in the sport that I know about, offsides is pretty simple. It's like when one team goes across the line of scrimmage, and it's like, Boom, right before the snap. But you put it on ice and you start sliding pucks around, and I'm still not sure what offsides means or, or icing or like, because to me, I, growing up, I was watching, to me, hockey is kind of like lacrosse now. It looks just like legalized assault to me. That's what it looks like. All right? And, and so, but I didn't know anything. But in 1980, I remember Herb Brooks got together a bunch of 
amateurs, almost like maybe college, but maybe some of them just like club level guys. And they somehow became our Olympic team. And then the miracle on ice. You guys remember, who remembers the miracle on ice? Okay, right hand, left hand. You, okay, you can, all right, all right we're, we're going to get this today. The miracle on ice was so awesome because this group of nobodies beat these professional hockey players and won the gold medal. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I still know like a little bit more than nothing about this, but I remember that moment. I remember sitting in my parents' basement. I remember that moment, all right? It's amazing how excited you can get when something happens that you didn't expect and it changes your life. Guys, that's why we're here today. You, you get that? that? That's why we're here today. Because something that the world didn't expect could happen happened and the stone rolled away and he came out and then and here's why we're here today too is because he's coming again let's go he's coming yeah <laughs> so somebody apparently one of the things i learned today is let's just hope it's not in january or february um that's a different story all right you guys made it way to go let's go this is something worth celebrating and that was something worth celebrating. There's another story, a true story, that, that has an amazing, amazing plot line. It, it really, really happened. It happened about uh, three decades, a little over two decades earlier than this story. Uh, it, it happened when a young boy, a, a, a young boy got this vision. A little boy named Jim grew up out in Oregon. And he used to love going to church with his folks. And he especially loved it when missionaries would come. Missionaries from like really way off places, un- almost unnoticed places. That there, were, there were people living, but nobody knew how to get to them. Nobody could really speak their language. And that there were people, when he got his mind around the fact that there were literally people on planet Earth that had never heard about Jesus. And something inside of that young man just started stirring. And he decided that that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go to those jungles and tell people who had never heard about Jesus about Jesus. And so a little bit of time went by, and as an 18-year-old then, in 1952, Jim Elliott got on a ship on the coast of Oregon and sailed 18 days down to the country of Ecuador to go and try to make a difference. He spent some time there learning the language and beginning to train to be a missionary into the jungles of Ecuador. His missionary career began as he's training. He met a friend, Peter Fleming, and they became partners, and they decided they were going to go to this jungle in Ecuador. And forgive me if I butcher the names of the tribes. You wouldn't know it anyway, but none of them. There's one that's called, I think it's uh, the best I can do is the Kiakas tribe. 
And that's who they were going to go minister to, to the Kiakas tribe. They wanted to tell them about Jesus. Now, you need to understand, in, in the early 1950s, and, and it's still in parts of the world today, these are everything tribal that you've seen on movies that you thought really didn't exist of people in, you know, leaf-made, some kind of skin-made loincloths at best for dress if they have on anything at all and that those people there's still places in the world where people like that live and so so jim and peter decided they're going to go and minister to the kiakas tribe now the kiakas tribe they were they were fierce rivals of the kuas tribe and i mean the only way we could compare it today and something that remotely close to our framework of understanding would be the the hatfields and mccoys it was kind of that kind of relationship between these two tribes. And, and so Jim and Peter went and they spent three years with the Kiakas tribe. Even during those three years, the, the feuds, the battles between the Kiakas and the Kuas were still going on. And many people were killed by each of the other tribes during that period of time. But they kept ministering and trying to share Jesus with the Kiakas tribe. And after three years, they'd made a lot of progress in that. And so they had this crazy, crazy thought. It's time for us to go to the Akua tribe. And so they got some other partners, and one of them was a guy who was a bush pilot, a guy named uh, Nate Saint, who was a bush pilot, could fly these float planes anywhere. And, and so they had, what they had to do was figure out how to get to the Akuas, because where they were, even further back in the jungle, it was hard to uh, access it anyway. And so Nate Saint, Nate Saint figured out this way to land his plane on the river, drop people and supplies off, and then take off and get out of there and come back again. And so they began doing that. They began doing that. They started off by just dry, airdropping some supplies, trying to make friendships, and finally they landed. And in early 1956, they actually made physical contact with the Akua tribe. They would come out of the jungles like one or two at a time. Usually, it, 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 it's kind of like deer season, and the little would come out first just to kind of make sure nothing happens before big boy comes out. And they would send the women out or maybe a young warrior out before any of the really warrior leader, tribal leaders would come out. And so they made some contact. Some of the women came out. Finally, a young man or two. They even had a meal together on the beach. And so, so Jim and his friends thought, we're making it. It's going to be okay. So one morning they were they had landed and they were down and they were in the river and they were just kind of washing themselves off and washing some things and they heard a rustle in the forest and they, or in the jungle and they turned around and they looked to see six tribal warriors with spears running at them from all directions. Jim Elliot had a pistol in his pocket. He had brought a gun to a knife fight. But they had also made a commitment among the missionaries that they wouldn't do anything to harm any of the Akuas. And so that day in the river, all five missionaries were speared to death and lost their lives. Wow. One of the amazing things that happened was less than two years later, Jim Elliott's wife and one of his daughters and Nate Saint's sister went back to the very same village, made contact, 
they weren't as feared because they were women and they began to love and to share Jesus until the whole village became followers of Christ. That's a comeback story that's almost, it's inconceivable, it's, it's unbelievable. But what happened that one day was, Jim Elliott's known for one quote, one quote that you, it's in Wampox. You go to Hobby Lobby today and I'll guarantee you, you'll see this quote. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What we have to understand is that day in that river, Jim Elliott gained what he could never lose even in the same moment that he lost his earthly life. And then the rest of the story and people begin to know Jesus and, and it's all about having a mission. It's all about a little boy in Oregon saying, I want to go to the jungle. I want to go to the jungle and share Jesus with people that have never ever heard about Jesus. And it might cost everything, but I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. And so he did. We're, this whole year is let's, let's go. We're, we're, we're focused on let's go. And, and I told you last week, we're going to have these little, these little mini series in it. And so today we're going to start talking about let's go on mission. And, and before we can understand our mission, we have to have a vision of what it looks like in the end, of what the end result would be. And, and by definition, a, a, a vision it is a noun. It's an end result. It's here's what we are trying to get to. For that hockey team, it was this huge, not only the gold medal, but this huge cup. It was, it was, that, was, that, was their, that was their vision, and their mission was to work to get to that. Our vision at Shelby Christian Church What we see is the end result. What we are looking for is we want to be a community of changed lives. A community of changed lives. I remember the day when we were sitting uh, elders and leaders downstairs in the conference room and we're hashing this out. What are we going to say? What what is our vision? And, And this was the end result. And the thing that I loved most about it, look, that's our vision. And the word church is not in it anywhere. And I love that. I love the church, the real church. But in our world that we live in today, what's church? For far too many people, church are these, these walls and these nice cushioned chairs. And it's a place that we go to, but it's really not the end result. You know what the end result is? changed lives. See, if we get together every Sunday, even when it's cold, even when it's slick out, even when it's hot in in August and the air conditioner's not working, if we get together in this building and, and this doesn't happen, changed lives, you know what we are? We are just another social organization that may do some good in the community, but that's not what it's really all about. Jesus called us to change lives, to go into jungles, to go do crazy stuff that doesn't make any sense to the world so that someday there can be a victory celebration that makes what happened in the miracle on ice pale in comparison to what God wants to do. So our vision is to be this community of changed lives. And it's, it's happening 
it's happening. The best part of this job is that when we talk about I get to stand here right now and I'm looking around and, and I know stories. And, and I know stories, and we talk about this a lot, because I know, I, I'm sitting here looking around, seeing people that in 2023, in January, or definitely in 2022, people couldn't have paid you to make you believe you would be sitting here today with wind chill below zero. But something happened. God got a hold of you. And lives were changed. So we want to be this community of changed lives that does go on a mission. Now here's the difference between vision and mission. Vision is a, snap, is a noun. It's, a, it's an end result. It's a, it's a thing that we get. Mission is a verb. It's action. And so we understand our mission to be this. That we exist to reach people for Jesus and equip them to be fully devoted disciples, ready to impact their world for Christ. Reaching, equipping, and impacting. That's what we are called to do, and we do that for a purpose. Now, our mission is derived. We didn't just, this like, we're not that, we're not that smart. We didn't just think of this. Our mission is derived from Jesus and from his great commission. Jesus' great commission, it was his parting words to his disciples. It's, it's found in the Bible, if you're not very familiar with it, it's found in the very first book of the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament are known as the Gospels. They're biographies of Jesus' life and his time, his time here on earth. And Matthew is the first one in the New Testament. And in the very last chapter, in fact, the very last words of the book of Matthew, Jesus gives what we now know as his great commission. Check out what Jesus said there in those last words. He came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. The Father has given me this authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Understand this, all right? You understand this. I'm going to do some Bible teaching here really quick. Some of you already know this, but some of you this is going to be new to. There is an action command in that first sentence of verse 19. There is a command in there. And a lot of people mistakenly think that the command in verse 19 is this little two-letter word. That's not the command. In the Greek language, that's what's known as an active participle in the way that it was written. And what it really means, it's assuming that what that thing is, in this case, go, it's assuming that that is already happening and it's continually happening. So if you were to literally read the intent of that verse, it's, and while you are going, all right, you get that? While you're going with your everyday, ordinary, get up and go to wherever work, get up and go to school, whatever, while you are going, now here comes the command, make disciples. That's the command. It's while you are out there doing whatever it is that you do, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands, to do everything that I've asked you to do and I have given, that I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. What, what, what Jim Elliott, in his own way, understood this, when he, when he went to Ecuador, going to Ecuador was not the command. 
making disciples in Ecuador was the command. Hey, Jim, you want to go to the jungle? Great. While you are going, make disciples. Make disciples. That's, that is our mission as a church. And in fact, if you, you break it down, we talk about our, our, our mission really in three words, and it's all about discipleship. Check this out. You may have never thought of it this way. Reach, equip, and impact. Reaching, equipping, and impact. What reaching is, and that's what we're going to talk about the rest of the morning, is making disciples. Reaching is making disciples. What equipping is, and we're going to talk about that next week, is training disciples. And what impacting is, is actually being disciples. It's all about discipleship and being followers of Jesus. So real quick, let's, let's just focus on the main thing for today. And that is the mission part of it, the reaching. The reaching. The making disciples. Our mission begins by making more and better disciples. And, and here's the deal. We got to understand our assignment. We have to understand our assignment and begin to invite others to join us in the, assi- in the assignment. You know, one of the beautiful things about mission, like you go back to the hockey team, you know, a few guys get on there and they start working and, and they start having a little bit like, you know, we're not that bad. And then one of my probably in the locker room one day said something is like, you guys are gonna think I'm crazy. But I think we might just be able to win this thing. And, th- and then another one gets the idea, and another one, and all of a sudden the mission is expanding and people are getting on board with the mission. The beauty of going on a mission is going together. <coughs> I think team sports are so radically important in a young person's life, even not, not winning medals or win, just being on the team. Just being on the team. Now, I love individual stuff too. I grew up doing some of that too. But you know the difference? When you're doing an individual sport and something actually goes well and you turn around and you go, there's nobody there. But you, you do it with a team and you do something great and something happens and you turn around and you high five and you hug and that's half the excitement of it is we did this together. We, we achieved this together. We grew together. But, but here's the problem though. Sometimes, in fact a lot of times, the only reason we do something is because somebody invites us to do it. And that can be really good. Or it can be really stupid. You with me? You ever get invited to something that you would have never done if somebody said, hey, hadn't said those, those critical words, let's go? See, this is great. This is great. <laughs> Until somebody says, if anybody ever says, let's go to you, Run. The opposite direction. Sometimes we do those things, but like once it gets started and the ball starts rolling, it's like hard to get out of it. One of the dumbest things I ever did, and I'm going to abbreviate this story, so, but one of the dumbest things I ever did was as a senior in college at a Christian college with some strong, devout Christian guys, and you're thinking, well, how's it? Because it was about 11 o'clock at night. 
And those of you who went to college know that it's not that unusual for college students, especially guys, to want something to eat about 11 o'clock at night. So usually what would happen is somebody would say, hey, let, you know, let's let's go make a food run there was this one little there was this one little like minute mart around us that had the best chili dogs and they stayed open to like one in the morning and so it was nothing for us to get in the car and go get four or five chili dogs at 11 11 30 at night we were young we were young and so but that night nobody had gas nobody had a way for us to get there And all it took was one person that said, hey, let's walk to Kroger's. And I'll, yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be, everybody in the room, like, and after two or three said, yeah, they're like, you are not going to be the guy that goes, I ain't going to walk to Kroger, that's stupid. No, so it was like, oh, we're on this, like, we're going to walk to Kroger. We're going to walk to Kroger. Kroger's four and a half miles away from our campus. (laughs) Did I mention it was 11 o'clock at night? Did I mention that it's a small country road from our campus to the car? We didn't care. We didn't care. And so we, we start going down the hall and making some noise in the dorm. And anybody want to go? And <laughs> Shock. Nobody else wanted to go. But we're going. We're going. And, and so then we start walking. And did you see the movie? You remember the movie Bridge Over the River Kwai? Remember the little song that the guys whistled? Uh, if you're a good whistler, feel free to insert that whistle for the next couple minutes. It fits what's going on. So we're like, we're like walking down this road, and all my roommates, they were all athletes on there, but all my roommates except one, he was a manager, were either basketball players or baseball players. And so there's all, we're decent-sized guys, all right? And so we're walking down Milligan Highway. Now it's 1130 at night. <clears throat> Real quick story, you know, then we hear a dog bark. And you know when you hear a dog bark, you pretty well can figure out, okay, that's not a chihuahua. You, you know what I'm saying? And we hear that dog bark. And so you got these, you got these five 20, 21-year-old guys that nobody says a word, just everybody crosses to the other side of the road, like in unison. We go to the other side of the road, like nobody had to tell me. that That's not a sound we wanted to hear. And so we cross the other side of the road. We walk a little bit longer. And then there's this little, there's this little old gas station up ahead of us. And it's got a street lamp out front, just a street lamp, like just one. And we look up at this. And you can't make this up. Honest to goodness truth. There's a dude on a Harley leaning up against that light post with his feet up on his handlebars and it's 1130 at night and so we kind of uh, crossed back over to the other side of the street and and but as we got as we got up there close to it a boy looks up and goes what are you boys doing and we said yeah crazy right William it, it's like uh, we're walking to Kroger <laughs> forget Little boy in the Harley goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. At that moment, <laughs> at that moment, you would have thought maybe one of us would have gone, you know, maybe he's right. And No, we're good. So we keep on walking. Another dog bark and everything like it. Then there's this curve. There's this big curve uh, in the road. And you know how when you can hear a, a, a vehicle and the tires squealing before you can see the vehicle? So there's this huge curve, and we hear this squeal, and all of a sudden we see it, and this this car coming around. I think it had at least two wheels still on the ground, but it's flying around there, and, you know, we're kind of getting a little bit further off the road then, and all of us are athletes at Milligan. So all of us have on our different swag, you know, that tells 
where we go and that we play a sport or whatever. What we didn't know was that the, the four guys that were driving that vehicle went to our rival and they had on all their swag and they apparently had made a stop at one or two watering holes on the way. And <clears throat> there were four of them in a vehicle, five of us walking, they were drunk, we were sober. We did what every intelligent person would do in that moment. We hid behind a tree. <laughs> a tree. All five of us. <laughs> it's a big like pine tree in Tennessee. I'm up with my back up against the trunk of the tree and my four buddies are like right in front of me and these guys are looking for us and every time the light hit us, you know what we did? As a group, as a group and we're going back and forth around the tree. We, didn't, we, we knew they were drunk. We knew that. We didn't know if they had weapons. We knew we didn't. Well, I had a weapon. I didn't have any cash with me, so I grabbed my jar of pennies when I left. That was my weapon. And so I was just like going to pelt them until I was out of pennies or whatever. And, and so they, they looked and they looked. and they, I mean, this is going on for a long time. We're talking, it's up 1 o'clock in the morning now. We're out there, and then they, they leave. They drive away. But they drive away in the direction of our campus. And in that moment, we've got to make a choice. Which way do we go? Because Kroger's probably not open by now. I mean, this is 1981 or 82, something like that. And all night things wasn't happening. And so we're, we're two miles down the road on this four-mile you know, journey now that we know through hell. And, but they went back that way. So what do we do? Well, let's walk toward Kroger. Maybe we'll have a pay phone because nobody's got cell phones then, right? Maybe we've got a pay phone. <laughs> I got plenty of coins here in my jar. We can call back and get somebody from campus to come get us. So we, that's, that's our plan. So we <laughs> go walking a little bit further and praise God, it's not much farther. And this, this, this little dude is one of the greatest guys in the world. He, he was the point guard on our basketball team. He was about 5'8". He's from the hood in Cincinnati. And it ended up down at Milligan playing ball. And he's got this little red car that like... You and I couldn't both get in it. I mean, it's like this little red car. And Victor, you know, goes by us and we're waving and yelling. And then there's beauty, the beauty of the taillights. You see the taillights come on, you know? And, and, and he backs it up and I'll never forget it. He rolls with, what are you boys doing? And we tell him the story. This is not meant to be. This is not, here's exactly what Victor said. You're the dumbest white boys I've ever seen. <laughs> and we're like, okay, yeah, we're, you're right. We are. We are. But will you take us back to campus? So we start piling in. And I mean, there's flesh everywhere over, you know. Like, and so we're driving back to campus. And at this point, we've, we've won. <laughs> we've won. You're like, we're, we're alive. We're good. But sure enough, as we drive back to campus, the very last driveway before you got to our campus there's the car. They're parked in the shadow of that driveway. Well, you know what, any good, wholesome, like, stupid guys, we're rolling down the windows. Now we're mocking them because, like, yeah, we got you. We're back. We're back. And, you know, we, it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. That was a real long story to say sometimes in an effort to do things as a group, we do stupid things. So we've got to be really careful 
but we still need to do things as a group. We've got to make wise decisions about the vision of where do we want to go. Kroger was a great idea. The mission to get to Kroger, not so much. Not so much. Sometimes we get into addiction and crime and all kinds of other things just because someone says, hey, let's whatever, whatever. What if we turn that around? What if we really understood our assignment and invited other people to join us in that assignment? You know that they understood their assignment. That's kind of a catch thing now. And you see it in music stuff and in movies. And what it means all the time, it's a slang term kind of that's used to praise someone who goes above and beyond to do a good job. They understood their assignment. They understood their assignment. Sometimes it's used negatively. They didn't understand their assignment. And it's kind of like, dude, you had one job and you blew it? Like, we need to understand our assignment. Those of us that are Christians, (laughs) I'm sorry. I am so sorry because I know know this next part's going to hurt, especially after last night. There's at least 45 reasons that this is going to hurt, especially after last night. But I know some of you are Cleveland Browns fans. I really could care less. And I really don't like the Houston Texans until now. Because last week... Last week, did y'all see this? Last week in the game that the Houston Texans won to get into the playoffs, their, their quarterback, C.J. Stroud, is, he's a rookie, he's done unbelievable, and he's by far the MVP on that team, if not the whole league. He walks out for his post-game press conference. Check this out. I, I don't know if you can see it clearly. Check it. Can you tell what's on his T-shirt? Can you see what's on his T-shirt? See, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And CJ Stroud, and look, but, but better than the t-shirt, look what he said. Jesus laid down his life on the cross for us. I really believe that. This is bigger than just football. Football is my platform. Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ is my purpose, my mission. Amen. Let's go. Some people have bigger platforms than others, but we all have the opportunity to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for my Texan swag to get here. Like that, I, you know, that, that's a leader, and it's a leader that understands his assignment and his true vision. And so that was happening last Sunday, and I'm like geeking out into the house watching this. And then Monday, Monday, I could care less about the teams that were in the national championship game. Like I, I was one of those games last year, last week, the football national championship of college. I was trying to figure out a way that both teams could lose. That was, that was kind of like how, how little I cared. And, and then... And then, yeah, and then the one, I am so sorry. You might want to hold on to that, all right? I am so sorry. But all of a sudden now, I might actually wear that, that weird color blue. Yeah, I know, I know. And Isaac Berkeley, he knew I was going to say, he came Thursday night to hear me say that and came back this morning. He'll probably be here at 11 o'clock because it'll be the only time in his history at Shelby Christian Church that he'll get to cheer for Michigan in a sermon. But anyway, Michigan wins the national championship game. And in an era and time when people are kneeling for all the wrong reasons, look what happened. 
Check this guy out. His name is Blake Corum. He's the star of Michigan. He was the MVP of the national championship game. And he knelt, knelt in the middle of the field. He better be careful because they're going to Tebow him now. But he knelt in the middle of the field, and here's what he said. I believe God put me on this earth for something way bigger than football. I'm a firm believer in Christ. That's why I'm here. He understood his assignment. He understood his assignment. We can get behind that. So what we need to do is we do need to flip the script and start bringing more and more people to the team. There, there's this parable. Jesus taught a lot in parables. So I, I need to hurry through this. In Matthew chapter 22, the first book of the New Testament in, in that gospel, in chapter 22, Jesus tells this parable. Check out what it says. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a king who prepared a great, great wedding feast for his son. All right, let me make sure you understand it. King. Which king do you think about? King of kings. King of kings. God, okay? He's talking about about God, creator God, prepare feast for his son. Who do you think? Jesus, all right? Understand that. Now we can understand the parables we go on. And so God's preparing this, this feast for Jesus. It's, it's the second coming, all right? And, and when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. You may have invited somebody to come to church with you this morning, and then you may have gotten a text, too cold, I'm staying home. Still invite. Still invite. So he sent other servants to them. The feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted cattle have been killed. And everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guest he had invited ignored them and went on their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and even killed them in jungles in Ecuador. You with that? And then this parable ends this way. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy to be, uh, aren't worthy of the honor. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see. Let's stop there again. Some translations, you may be reading a translation that instead of street corners, it says alleys. Others say highways and byways. But if you think of it in terms of alleys, that's the image that is being created here. That's the image that Jesus is creating here when he's telling this parable. He's not talking about the main highways. He's talking about, you go to the back streets. You go to the backwood. You go, when you, typically, typically when you go find people in alleys, they're not on top of their game, Right? Typically, people that you would find hanging out in alleys are hurting in some way or another. They're in financial pain. They're in physical pain. They are in alignment pain because they've aligned themselves with other people who say, come on, be part of our group, and it's not a good group to be a part of. That's typically who you're going to find if you just start walking through alleys to see, hey, why don't you come to this thing, all right? But Jesus said, go to the alleys and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike praise God anybody else in here other than me praise God for the bad that yeah some of some of you been in those alleys right that was definitely one of those right hand left hand that works some of you and here's what we know if you've been that guy in that alley right now the only thing that you understand
If you've never found yourself sleeping in an alley, you don't get this. If you were blessed enough to be raised in a family that taught you about Jesus and took you to church, praise God, that's an awesome testimony, but you're going to have a hard time understanding this. There's people that are hurting. And the mission is reach. Reach everyone. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Not everyone understands their assignment, especially not the first time around. In fact, sometimes it takes time for seeds to germinate. You know, the olive tree is talked about a whole lot in the New Testament. That's, it's a big deal. In fact, at one point, Jesus even curses an olive tree. Olive trees are a big deal in the New Testament. Olive trees are kind of unique. You know, olive trees, they, they sprout, they grow. But olive trees never begin bearing fruit until at least their fifth year. Their fifth year. For a long time, it's like... You know, in the tree world, it's like, what are you doing here? You're not bearing, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then they start bearing fruit. And most of them just keep bearing fruit. There's a couple, though, of varieties, deviant varieties, that only bear fruit every other year or every two years. But even in the years that are not bearing fruit, the seeds are being planted. And, and things are starting to grow. You see, here's what's going on in, in the kingdom of God. You might have a bumper crop this year when you start trying to reach people. You might have a bumper crop. But, but not every one of us is going to have a Josh Moore kind of year when he gets to baptize 11 people. Let's go. Not everyone's going to happen like that. But he, not everyone's going to be like Brett's group on Thursday night and guys are coming and baptizing other guys. And not, it's not always going to happen that way. But here's one thing I will guarantee you. I know this factually. You will never raise a harvest if you don't plant a seed. Let's go. And it's time for us to start planting seeds. God's got so much in store for us. God's got so much in store for us that I don't want to lay dormant. And so I'm going to give you this morning, it's, you need to get your phone out right now because you, some of those of you who take pictures of things on the screen, you, I'm getting ready to give you a three-step process that will work for reaching people for Christ. This is going to be, it's mind-blowing. It's like, like there, there's probably a Nobel, Peace, Nobel Prize of some kind attached to this. It's just going to blow your mind, okay? You want to reach people for Jesus? Step one, invite them to Jesus. Invite them to come. Wow. That's, wow. After you invite them to come, here you go, step two. Meet them at the door. Or pick them up yourself. Pick them up yourself. This is the one where it gets tough, all right? This is the one where, because now I'm getting ready to get inside your pocket, all right? Step three. Take them to lunch. You decide if you're a Ruth's Chris taking the lunch or if you're going to McDonald's. That's on you. I can't help. Here's what I'm saying, though. You care? Do you really care about it? Do you know people that if this thing stops spinning today and we all go somewhere? Do you know there's people that don't know where they'd be going? See, I believe in heaven and hell. I fully believe in heaven and hell. I also happen to believe hell hasn't frozen over yet. Although the one who lives there is trying to use that concept to keep people from coming to worship today. 
I don't know, it's tough. Invite him to come, meet him at the door, and then take him to lunch. Take him to lunch. When you're talking about somebody's eternity, when you're talking about somebody knowing that they get to go to heaven forever with you, Bruce Chris isn't that much. Stony River isn't that much. And McDonald's surely isn't that much. But say enough that I care. Come on, let's, this is important. I care. I care. It's that big a deal to me. <laughs> Just like the U.S. hockey team won a gold medal in 1980 with no professionals. You do not have to be a professional at this to get the job done. I love in Acts chapter 4, the, the fifth book in the New Testament, right after the gospel stories of Jesus, and as he's been laying out the, the mission and the vision for his disciples, a couple of them, Peter and John, they, they finally figure it out. They finally take it serious. Jesus has gone back to heaven, and they're just preaching. They're just preaching everywhere. And the, and, and the, the Sanhedrin and the other authorities call them, you guys got to stop preaching. You can't be doing this. You've got to stop this stuff right now. And they go on trial. And on trial on trial this is what they said it's the bible tells us they couldn't believe these guys because they were just ordinary men with no special training at all guys in the back i'm gonna i'm gonna skip that next little part i want to i want to finish i want to finish story kim told me after last week when i told you the story about the pizza guy she's like you need to do that every week that was so cool. You need to have a Paul Harvey rest of the story every week. I was like, yeah, I'd love to, but I don't know that many rest of the stories. Like, I don't know what to do with that. So you guys got to help me with that. But anyway, I know this one. Jim Elliott, murdered in the jungles of Ecuador, along with three of his other friends and his pilot, Nate Saint. Nate's sister and Jim's wife went back into that jungle. Nate already had a son whose name was Steve, who was five years old the day his dad was murdered in the river in the jungle. And as his aunt and Jim Elliott's wife led more and more of those people to Christ, and they started making decisions, when Steve Saint had grown up enough that he was ready to be baptized, he wanted to be baptized in that same river where his dad was murdered and he asked this guy to baptize him. I can't even begin to pronounce his name, but that's the man who threw the spear that killed his dad. People ask him, when Kim and I got to hear these, he's dead now. This guy has passed away now. A few years ago, Kim and I were in California for a conference, and we got to hear him speak, and he had this guy with him, and they were doing an interview. And, and the interviewer asked the obvious question, why in the world would you ask this man to baptize you? And he said, this man is evidence that my father was on the right mission. He said, I couldn't imagine asking anybody else. He went on and told the story of how after that, that this, this man gave his life to Christ and everybody else. And, and he said that the rest of his like growing up years, this guy did the things that his dad would have done with him.
This guy taught him to fish in the river. This guy taught him to do the things that young boys need a man to teach him. This guy. Wow. That's why we do what we do. Because everything's at stake. Everything is at stake. Now here's the deal. Man, when I, when I was typing that this week, I knew the story, and I'm typing it, and my, my hands are shaking typing the story. I, I can't imagine that. I can't get over that. And you may never be asked, probably will never be asked to go to a jungle in Ecuador to reach someone for Christ. But what about across the country? What about on the other side of our country? Or across the state? Or across town? Shoot, what about across the street? Or across a room. Maybe you're the one that's being called to do that. What if you could simply cross the room and saying hello to someone could change that person's eternity? Just a few steps to get out of your circle of comfort. But you won't walk across the room until you understand why you need to walk across the room. What's at stake? We're going to ask you to walk right now. I'm going to ask everybody just a second. I'm sorry, I've got, I tell stories and I get emotional. I'm sorry. We're going to ask everybody to move. Here's the deal. Everybody, everybody, everybody in the room needs to move to do something. You at the very least need to move and come if you don't already have and get your communion emblems and hold on to those. You need to move and give. You need to move and pray. And, and the reason we don't move and pray more I'm convinced of this, and and I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be as real as I can as we start this new year. The reason we don't pray more is because we're embarrassed, and we've got a little bit of pride issue that what's people going to think if I get on my knees and somebody sees me on my knees? And we need to get over that. And so maybe you need to just openly hit your knees and pray to worship, to, to don't be ashamed. Maybe you need to do it up front. Maybe you need to do it across. Maybe you need to do it right where you are. Maybe you need, need to wait till you get home and find a place and hit your knees and pray. But I know this as we start. Some of you, the biggest thing you need to move to, you need to quit playing games and you need to move and surrender and give your life to Jesus. Let's go. You need to do that. Bobby will be over here. Jason will be over here. They'll, they'll meet. Even if you don't understand, they'll, they'll help you understand. Don't, don't leave here today without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt what's up. Here's the bottom line, and I'm done. I I need help in what I do. So I have a mentor. I have a, he's a mentor, therapist, life coach, whatever. He lives in San Diego. And I meet with him on a pretty regular basis via Zoom, not in person, although we're getting ready to go on a trip together here in a little over a month, but he watches our service occasionally. He watched last week. And so we were talking this week. He's like, that, and he's from Australia, so I won't even try to do his Australian accent, but he's like, that pizza guy story was unbelievable. I was like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was. And I said, the only problem is I'm struggling trying to find another story like that. And without hesitation, here I've got the text message. He sent me this back in a text. He said, why not just go create part one of another nine-year, two-part story? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go make a difference. 
let's go make it look. I don't know what it looks like. I had no idea what a pizza story was going to do. Jim Elliott had no idea what landing on a river in Ecuador was going to do. God's the only one that knows what's going to happen when you do what he's calling you to do. So let's go. Would you guys stand? Let's time to make a move.
can sleep in just a second. 99.9% of the time, I feel like when we come to communion, it should be a somber moment. But there's that 0.1% of the time when I think we need to really allow this to motivate us. To allow what this symbolizes to truly send us out on mission. To be willing to charge whatever mountains we need to charge because of what this means. Because someone gave it all so that we could have it all so that we would share it all so they could have it all let's be motivated by his body by his blood as we partake this morning Thanks for being here, guys. Um, sorry, I got a little emotional, but hey, look at the good side. Your first service, you'll still be able to get in the restaurants. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, real quick, real quick. Some of you guys, we could use some help putting the curtains up before next service. Although, we're doing two less rows today. And just, so, just, so you guys, yeah, yeah, just so you guys know, they're catching you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, all right? So here, if you could help us with curtains, that would be awesome, awesome, awesome. Also, Pathways, uh, which is our on-ramp to everything about the church, uh, membership, uh, salvation, discipleship, involvement. It's this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, Chick-fil-A dinner, uh, free child care. I've got forms up here. Bobby's got some forms out of the, at the new member room or the next step room. Please, if you've been here for a while, I don't know, maybe months, maybe years, come on. What are you waiting on? Let's go. Come on to the pathways. Either accept Christ or join the church. Let's go. We've got a mission. We need you, all right? So Tuesday night, get a form in. We just need the form. You can show up. It just helps us make sure we get plenty of sandwiches. Otherwise, we just tell Dennis to buy a whole lot of extra Chick-fil-A and the staff gets it. But anyway, you, know, you guys you know, help us out with that. And then, then the following Tuesday night, we want to celebrate what God did last year with all the new members. And so we're having a new member party. You all should have gotten an email from me. Some of you have responded. Some of you haven't. But if you're one of those people who was baptized or joined the church at Pathways last year and you haven't signed up for the new member party on January 23rd, come on up here. Guess what? I got forms up here for that too. So come on. We're going to get you hooked up, signed up, and involved in what's going on here. Man, it's been a good day. I'm glad you guys braved the cold and came. Now, let's go. Let's, Let's get out of here and go love God, love people, watch Him change the world. We'll see you guys.